Welcome to the Proclaim podcast, where we sit down with missionary disciples and talk all things around sharing Jesus with others. Our hosts are Brett Powell, Heather Kim, and Jason Jensen. In the last episode with Father James Mallon, we talk about the importance of evangelization relevance and creating a space for belonging. In this episode, we talk about the impact of investing in evangelization tools and relying on the Holy Spirit. If you haven't listened to part one or two of this series, we encourage you to go back and listen to them before continuing. As you were talking about, kind of mentioned strategy and things like that, I've never considered that in our day and age, we have a strategic advantage that the church has not had before. We have, we're interdispersed among the whole, in Canada, amongst the whole nation. Mm. Um, where I think of like the early church in the sort of the initial apostolic mode of, they were small, you know, they were small and trying to grow bigger. We literally have people everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing um, that we said earlier reminded me of is there's this local pastor here who's doing really well. Um, their church is thriving and they're very evangelistic in their mindset, um, uh, this evangelical church. And he said, the thing that we choose to believe is that sometimes a lot of people are only two questions away from becoming a Christian. Mm. Two questions where we think there's like these massive walls up for them. Sometimes you answer two questions in love and those walls can come down, you know, way quicker than we anticipate. And they're living the fruit of that. So I think that's where Alpha is so brilliant in that it's a question asking uh, tool, you know, connected to a culture of evangelization. Mm -hmm. And I think that, yeah, you're living this out, Father James is... Uh, the fruit comes from that. I, I, I will say this as well. You know, I think of the story of um, Saint Francis Xavier when he appeared at the at the the, the court of the of a Chinese. Uh, I might get the story wrong, but I remember hearing the story that he, he appeared at the, the court and he was dressed in his Jesuit uh, cassock and very poorly, all patched up and all this, and and he announced himself as the ambassador of the King of Kings. And he was, they took one look at him and said, get out of here. Are you, are you kidding? And so he went and he took all the money he had and, and bought the best clothes and dressed in the finest clothes and then showed up and presented himself as the ambassador. And he got an audience and he was able to, to, to proclaim the, the, the message of the gospel. And it reminds us again that we've got to incarnate or clothe the gospel in a way that minimizes the obstacles. Here's the painful reality in this moment of Catholic history, that for the average non-church person you do a word game association and say catholic people are going to say child abuse mm-hmm. that is the the horrible painful demonic reality of of this 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 painful season of our church and and still i mean we can talk at length about you know that what degree do we differ from other organizations that we just be more under the microscope etc etc it doesn't matter the point is in people's perception that's the way they perceive. So our brand, the brand of Catholicism, if we can use the term brand, is severely damaged. I mean, the, the events of the are the events of the last 30, 40 years and everything that's been revealed in the last 10, 20 years, it's been the equivalent of a nuclear bomb in terms of our ability to exit, you know, to carry out the mission of Jesus Christ. Now, if your ecclesiology is such that, well, who cares? Because we just want to be a little focused, holy club. Uh, and we don't, to heck, 
or literally maybe to hell with everyone else because we don't care about them. We just care about ourselves. Then that's not going to worry you. But in one sense, our, our brand is severely damaged. But here's the thing. The brand of Jesus Christ is not. And people might say, well, you know, it's not, it's not Catholic we, to just preach Jesus without immediately also talking about the Catholic Church. But, you know, if we're going to reach people in this day and age, we, we've got to begin with the person of Jesus Christ because he's beautiful. He's, he's, he's attractive. He's, he's compelling. And when you fall in love with him, you will eventually fall in love with his bride and you will eventually fall in love with his mother. Uh, but let's start with him. So often the problem the church is the church has preached the church. That's why we called it proclaim. Mm. Yeah. Amen. The other thing with that, and I think the opportunity that we have here is very aligned to the research that Sherry Waddell and others have given to the world, which is that the, the modern person that comes to faith, if they, you know, they track it, they track it through the five thresholds that they go through. Well, the first threshold is a relationship with a trusted believer. And so we have to think of that strategically mm -hmm. as an opportunity that, yeah, we could, we could say, oh, well, we can't evangelize. The church is in a horrible state. Who am I to, to even begin to promote the church? Well, no, it's about the relationship that you have. I think of that lady in your parish who's invited 130 people. I mean, we all have relationships where we have trusted, you know, friendship with people. That's, that's where the hope is. It's not, it, you know, we can't, we can't blame the state of the church. We do not celebrate, obviously, and it's in a horrible state, and we need stronger leadership and better action and all the rest of it. But when it comes to evangelizing, the first threshold is relationship anyways. They're not checking out the church website. They're checking out your life. That's right. And, and there's nothing, you know, when the, the Christian life is well-lived, it's in all of our flaws and weaknesses, in the, the vulnerability of authentic relationships it's a beautiful thing it, it 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 is very very attractive and and people will be moved in spite of and and as they grow in that they'll they'll come to a greater understanding and even you know with the struggles they may have with other dimensions of, of the teaching of the church slowly they, well it's like anything when, when people encounter jesus and the power of the holy spirit we find that there's a supernatural grace that things that seemed insurmountable obstacles are no longer not only obstacles, but people have a new openness to uh, get their minds and hearts around particular teachings of the church. Mm. Um, for sure. You know, but, you know, here's the challenge I would say for, for some Catholics out there. Um, there's an attitude, a mindset, almost like I have to say a bit of an arrogance that they just wants to talk about the, the depth and the beauty and the mystery of the, of Catholicism and look, look how rich we are in our tradition. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter how deep the deep end of your swimming pool is. If you don't have a shallow end, no one's ever going to learn how to swim. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Amen. And that's what alpha, alpha is a shallow. People are like, Oh, it's so shallow. It's pathetic. It's ridiculous. It's so shallow. It's pathetic. You know, it's like, yeah, they're the people that want to serve steak to, to babies. Yeah. Hmm. Like, it's let's, like sit, let's serve baby food and let them eventually move down onto the steak. And it's almost like the steps, you know, it's not even the shallow end. It's like, it's the yeah. ladder or the steps. It's like for somebody who can't swim, even jumping into the, like getting into the shallow end is intimidating. Yeah. You know, let's, yes. you know, give them the easiest way in possible. Mm. Isn't that mercy yeah. and love and, yeah. you know. Let's not work against people's pride. Let's not work against their preconceptions of what 
they think the church may be. Let's yeah. reach them. Let's go after this one sheep that's lost. Yeah. You know, yeah. find it and bring it back. I know? once heard it. I once heard it describe sort of the the stages that we go through in in maturity and witnessing, if you will. And the first stage is very much focused on the message. You know, it's or actually the first stage is focused on yourself. You begin to think, okay, I need to evangelize, but what are people going to think of me? What am I going to say? How am I going to be perceived? It's just all focused on yourself. The next stage is focused on the message. You know, no matter what, you're going to hear the message from me because you need to hear this message and it's all focused on that and everything else. But the mature disciple, missionary disciple, completely focuses on the other person. And this is what we see in the life of Jesus in the gospel. It's like, what does this person need, you know? And it's like, do they need the deep end? No. Do they need a shallow end? Yeah. But this person actually needs steps and two railings and me with an assuring voice walking them down. You know, it's not about the message or us or whatever. It's what do the people that we love who are not in relationship with the Lord need so that they can become in relationship with the Lord. They can get in that relationship. It has to be focused on the other person. I want to talk about two things, Father James, before we let you go. And the first is the Alpha Weekend, because there's a lot of people who um, endeavor to do Alpha. They think they can get away with not doing the weekend because it's a lot of work or a lot of effort, or they try and shorten it by maybe not an overnight thing. And I wonder if you can just speak to that, but almost speak to that, Father James, like you're you're talking to the people that are in this audience that are really wrestling with that question. Should we do the Alpha Weekend? We can probably get away with not doing it. Like, what would you say to those those people? I think of the the, the parable of the, or not the parable, the story in the gospel of the man, the, 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 the man who was the, the paralytic and uh, the four friends who, who, who brought him. Remember the story, they, they arrive at Peter's house and they can't get anywhere close to Jesus because of the crowds. And they could have said, you know, this is close enough. Hmm. Like he's 100 feet away. Let's just put him down. That's kind of close enough. And I think that sometimes in the church, we, we, we content ourselves with bringing people into a relative proximity of, of Jesus. And we say it's close enough. I think we do that with our pastoral models all the time, you know, with sacramentalizing without evangelizing. You know, close enough. Maybe it'll kick in at some point. Yeah. But these guys didn't do that. They had a, they had a a desire to bring him to Jesus. They had a conviction hmm. that close enough wasn't good enough. They had a conviction that if they could lure him to the feet of Jesus, it would change his life. Hmm. Close enough wasn't wasn't good enough. Conviction that bringing him to the feet of Jesus would change everything. And they had the will to do whatever it took. Hmm. So they, even if it meant climbing up on Peter's house and tearing a hole in his roof. Now, I don't know what your image of Peter is, but it's not some kind of wimpy guy. I have to imagine a guy with big muscles and tattoos who would like beat the living daylights out of anyone who would wreck his house. So they took a, they did a lot of courage. They were willing to climb over obstacles and tear through uh, barriers yeah. to, to do this. So I say to anyone listening who is going to, dare to venture or to bring people to Jesus. You have the conviction that it's going to make the difference. Don't settle for close proximity. The truth is, in my experience, and for many, 90% of the people who have, 
who have transformational, life-changing experiences on Alpha. It happens on the weekend away, on the Holy Spirit weekend. Mm. Now, that being said, that uh, we also do, we do a weekend away, but we also do a Holy Spirit day. But we don't let people know that there's a plan B until mm. after we've presented plan A and only do plan B for those who can't make it. Uh, and normally in any Alpha, maybe anywhere between 60 to 80% of your guests will take the Holy Spirit weekend. So not everyone's going to do it anyway. But here's the thing. What are you aiming for? What yeah. are you aiming for? Because it's the weekend away that it's when people are brought to the feet of Jesus. That's what it all comes together for so many people. And here's the thing. What are we willing to do? Because mm. Evangela Alpha is not easy. If you're looking for something easy, don't do Alpha. Alpha is a ton of work. That's why parishes need to decide. If you're going to do it, commit to it. Don't do multiple programs of event. Choose one tool of evangelization. All the we do so much stuff in parishes. It's a total waste of time. So sorry, it it is. It's a total waste of time. We're all so busy, 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 busy doing what? We mm. need to be busy doing the things that make the difference. Get evangelization. Put the resources into it. And then develop a pathway to disciple and grow people. And let's cut through all the other stuff, all the other junk, so that we can actually do this and do it well. So the Holy Spirit Weekend, because here's the thing. What I love about the Holy Spirit Weekend is we're creating a space and stepping into it with faith, you know. And it can be really freaky, really scary for us because we're, we tend to be control freaks. And, but to actually create a space where people are invited to an openness, they come forward Two people put a hand on their shoulder, nothing weird. Well, mm. it's a bit weird, I suppose, but not, not too weird. And we just say, come Holy Spirit, and we just pray. And just trust that the Lord is going to do something beautiful. And it happens more time than not. Like it's, There's no explanation for it. Like mm. People have, like tr just like that day that I had when I was 16, where I had I, 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 this experience of God's love being poured into my heart. That's what happens for many people. Not for everyone. People like anything. People experience things differently. But it is a profound moment of grace. So I really believe so much that I would say that if you don't do a Holy Spirit weekend or a Holy Spirit day, please don't call it Alpha. And mm. if, you, if you don't get mm. much fruit from your Alpha, don't blame it on Alpha. Blame yourselves. Mm. Father James, one thing, and I don't know who you're speaking to, but just as you're talking, I just... It, it, it is so important for us to be animated by hope because think of this, if we don't have hope in the gospel and hope that Jesus is going to act and the Holy Spirit is going to come down in power, we would never endeavor to do any of this. We would just no. think it's not happening. I just think yep. there is, that's one of like, if we were to map out the contribution system of all the reasons why the church is in the state and not evangelizing all the rest of it, a lack of hope and perhaps even the presence of despair of many of our pastoral leaders is a massive contributing factor. Because if you don't hope, why endeavor? Why mobilize anybody to do anything? Just speak to that, how important hope is. Well, hope, hope is the... It is the ground of everything. I mean, it's, it, we're, we're saved through hope. We're saved through faith, hope, and love altogether. The, the great theological virtues from 1 Corinthians 13. And so you can't be saved without hope. You can't be saved without faith, without love, without the three of them working together. And if we become cynical and hard of heart, it's, 
we become paralyzed. We become mm. like the, the, the paralytic who, who needed to be brought to Jesus by his friends. And, and for many in the church, maybe that's a starting point is that we ourselves need to be brought to the feet of Jesus, that we can hear the Lord say to us, my son, my daughter, your sins are forgiven. Get up and walk, get up and walk so that you can get up and grab a handle of someone else's stretcher and start bringing them. And it's, it's like anything. Sometimes you, like, I know for myself, like, like I have theological hope, you know, I, 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 you know, I believe in the resurrection. So I guess I have to believe, I guess I have to have hope if I believe in that. But in my weakness and my poverty, you know, I feel like, like Thomas, you know, like unless I see, I won't believe, but through God's grace, I've actually seen Mm. I've seen it. <laughs> so when, uh, when my faith is weak and my hope, my theological hope feels weak, I fall back on what I've seen and what I've witnessed. And I, I've witnessed the unexplainable. I've witnessed, you know, people who encountered Jesus for the first time four months before on One Alpha being the ones doing the prayer ministry. It's hilarious. They haven't <laughs> been around the church long enough to, to realize they're not supposed to be used by God like that. They have the... They're like beautiful children. Like they, they have, they're like, okay, I'll pray over someone to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And they do it. And the person they're praying over is getting like blasted. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's so much fun. And see, our problem is we become so churchy and we become focused on what we, what we can't do or what's not, what God is not supposed to be able to do. That's why I go back to, and meditate on the, the passage in, in, um, in the daily mass readings right now where Jesus attacks the scribes and the Pharisees, because actually, mm. and I'm not saying that if you don't, you know, agree with everything I'm saying that you're a scribe and a Pharisee, I'm not saying that at all, but we need to pay attention to what Jesus is saying here in Matthew chapter 23, because this is, I mean, the woe to you stuff. He, mm. he, he was kind of strong on this. He kind of, he was kind of serious about this part and look at the different ways that he, he says things. And, at the underneath it all, what he condemns the scribes and Pharisees for is what have they done? They have made secondary or tertiary things more important than the primary thing. Mm. That's it. Mm. And guess what? Human beings have always done that. Mm. And, and we've got to keep that focus on the primary thing. What is that? Is the, the living dynamic relations, which relationship with Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit who brings us to the Father. It's, we proclaimed every time we have the Eucharist in the original and oldest doxology of our faith. It's not glory to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as if we're standing outside the Trinity saying, oh, good for you, good for you, and good for you. And maybe some, you know, uh, especially the, the third guy. Um, uh, but think of the original Eucharist, the original doxology that we see in the Eucharist it's glory to the Father, through the Son, in the Son, with the Son, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. Mm. That's the dynamism of the Christian life that we only experience through the power, the experience of the power of the Holy Spirit. So we need, it's as simple as this. We need a new Pentecost in the church. The, the mm. wind of the Holy Spirit has to breathe. And the, mm. the great ancient prayer of the church, Vani Sancti Spiritu, we need to pray it all the time you know can we just have enough of going to church meetings where we someone says father can you start us with a quick prayer mm. no sorry <laughs> a quick hail mary ain't gonna cut it we need to start calling on the holy spirit and expecting the holy spirit to come mm. there you go amen
was a great place to end. Great place to end. Father James, thank you. Thanks for your time. Thanks for everything. It's my pleasure. It's great to connect with the Archdiocese of Vancouver. I spent three years as a seminarian in, at Seminary of Christ the King in Mission. Mm-hmm. So I love my years in in Vancouver. And if there's anything I said that you didn't like, just 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 blame the seminary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's very good. Right on. Thank well, you. Hey, we've taken up a lot of time. The sun has set this whole time. So thanks so much, Father James. This is the end of our three-part series with Father James Mallon. Be sure to subscribe to the Proclaim podcast to hear more conversations around sharing Jesus with others.